0: Hey everyone, my name is James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, and welcome to my podcast. 40,000 strong across my social media channels, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, slash X, whatever you want to call it, at Notorious Banker. I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America Incident, available on Amazon in both ebook and paperback format, but some other books down the pike. Guys, thank you so very much for your love and support. I really do appreciate it. Um, we're here on this podcast because... I'm feeling creative. I'm feeling good. I think, you know, one of the things that I've learned about myself since I've been doing this little writing siesta, um, you know, and kind of getting away from my day to day Twitter duties that I've been doing for several years is, you know, finding your creativity is a very important thing to do when you want to write. I'm not a fiction writer. I write about real things, you know, so anytime I'm writing, I want to make sure that I have the right words. And if I don't have the right words, I don't want to write because then it comes out as very mediocre. There's a lot of people in the newspaper industry, there's a lot of people who do online columns where you could just tell they're just going through the motions and they're not really invested in the content that they want to say that they're invested in. You know, it's it's funny, but, um, you know, me, I live and die by banking. I live and die by customer service, customer experiences, and things like that, so... I have to want to believe that I'm into those things. And I think you know, a few months ago, dealing with my grandfather's death and dealing with all the things that go on with you know living your life, I was not as invested in it. but now, the last couple of weeks have been interesting. I feel reinvigorated. I feel like we we're gonna get this done. A couple of books down the pike, and I can't wait to share the details of those with you. Plus, there are a lot of stories to talk about, guys. There's a lot of stories to talk about in banking and in customer service. Uh, we have a couple of interesting ones today. One is is a story that I don't normally like to talk about because, you know, when you when you get to talking about political people, there's always people who think that, you know, oh, you're for this guy or oh, you're against this guy, and then you lose half the audience. Well, there's a story about Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, that is interesting it's a very interesting story and I think I could provide context as to what is going on with him I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the next segment to kind of explain it but I think that the story that came out yesterday in regards to him made me think about the way that banks operate and the fact that is just because you have money just because you have influence and power does not necessarily mean that someone wants to do business with you And I think Lindell is learning about that first hand. And then secondly, um, we're going to be talking about my former company, Bank of America. They have once again raised their minimum wage. Oh my God, breaking news to $23 an hour. You know, I say it sarcastically because we did a podcast in 2020, 2021, and 2022 when Bank of America put out a press release saying, hey, guess what? We raised our minimum wage by a dollar whenever they announced in 2019 that they would get to $25 an hour by 2025 i made a prediction in 2019 that every year that they incrementally incrementally go up to 21 22 and so forth that they would have a big press release they would be you know big circle jerk around everyone saying oh my god look how awesome we are every single year as if it's new news whenever this news is four years old so we'll talk about that i um, not not as in detail as we usually do because you kind of know the greatest hits with me and you kind of know that i already have a beef with that 23 dollars an hour for someone whose entry level is amazing congrats to them they deserve double those bank tellers who work really really hard um, but I can tell you one thing, you know, someone who made $8.90 an hour starting out at Bank of America, yeah, I'm a little bitter. I'm a little upset and frustrated. But at the same time, I think Bank of America knows that there's so much competition out there for skilled positions, you know, skilled people at these jobs, that their long term future, despite the fact that a lot of the things that they want to do are virtual. Still require bodies, still required skilled bodies, and they need to pay for that finally after all these years. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk about Mike Lindell and American Express, so please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James Bach of the Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on my Substack. TheNotoriousBanker.Substack.com It is called the Notorious Banker Consumer Beast. Well, you know me as a podcaster and... Bank pundit and consumer advocate on social media. Writing is my first passion. I am a published author of several books. I was on Notorious, no pun intended, for my blogging on social media sites such as MySpace in the mid 2000s, which furthered my love of writing, which allowed me to develop a voice and develop confidence in this crazy world that we live in throughout the years. My one promise with Consumer beasts is I'm going to talk about more than just banking, I'm going to talk about things that impact consumers. In little subtle ways that slowly but surely impact the way that you spend your money, the way that you do business with certain companies, and the way that you feel about things going on in this crazy world. Consumer Beast is going to be my pet project that I'm going to try to blog at least once a week, hopefully sometimes twice a week. But I urge you to subscribe for free at thenotoriousbanker.substack.com. There will be a paid version of that in the near future, but for now, read my content free of charge, share it with your friends, and hit subscribe on that button, please. That's the Notorious Banker's Consumer Beast Substack at thenotoriousbanker.substack.com. Thank you so much. All right, and we're back with more Notorious Banker. Now, you know, as I said in the first part of the show, I don't like talking about political figures on here. The one of the reasons I don't like it is because you lose half the audience no matter what. Um, you know, we have a governor in New Mexico who um, signed an executive order, so to speak, regarding gun control. and you know, New Mexico is is a blue state through and through in my personal opinion. Uh, where my wife comes from and then the opposite side of the state are very red parts of of this state. But right down I-25, it's blue, and that's where all the people are. So just in numbers alone, it is a blue state, and by most by most accounting, you know. And and whatever, that's fine. You know, vote for whoever you want to vote for. It's a free country. That's what makes this country an amazing thing. And you know what the reason why I brought that up is because you see how anything that this person does, if you don't like this political person, it becomes a never-ending shitstorm on Twitter, Facebook, and social media. I got so tired of social media a couple of weeks ago once the gun control thing happened. You know, I I'm not gonna say one way or the other what my beliefs are because I don't you know I don't feel strongly enough about certain things to have an opinion on them. But the people who do, God man, they don't shut up, and I just it just gets overwhelming and. The cool thing about the internet is everyone thinks that they could change the world and the stupid thing about the internet is everyone thinks that they could change the world. And, you know, it's just not true, you know, just like the stock market, you know, people say, Oh, I made a thousand dollars on the stock market, well on that same day someone made ten million dollars and they laugh at your thousand dollars. So, you know, it's cool to want to be a part of something, it's cool to wanna to change the world, but at the same time you gotta focus on your own things. Okay, rant over. So, the, polit- the political figure I'm talking about is Mike Lindell, and although he has never held a political office, he is the CEO of My Pillow. You've seen the commercials, uh, might be annoyed by the commercials, you might like the commercials, you might love the pillow, you might think that it's a piece of crap, according to some reviews, a lot of people think that. Um, he was on one of the crazy talk shows, and I forget which one, I believe it was Steve Bannon. And I don't listen to anything, so I'm not familiar with his program. I know that it exists. Um, but I'm sure Mike Lindell is a regular part of this um, you know, this podcast or this radio show that he's you know, doing with Bannon. But according to Newsweek.com, Mike Lindell, who is a prominent supporter of Donald Trump and his discredited claim that the 2020 presidential election was rigged, has claimed American Express has, quote, taking our credit line from a $1,000,000 down to a $100,000, which, quote, just cripples the company. So he lost 90% of his credit line from American Express. As someone who worked in the big banking industry for Bank of America, who is also not exactly the darling of the right wing, um, this is par for the course, and I'm going to get to why in a second. But, you know, it's very interesting... And this goes to kind of what I do as the notorious banker now with customer service, customer experience. You know, whenever something happens to you, it's like, oh, my Dunkin' Donuts coffee didn't have enough sugar on it. Or they put the sugar-free syrup and not the full sugar syrup. What is wrong with them? I'm never coming to this store again. This is ridiculous. Dunkin' Donuts, you got to make this right. People know how to own these issues when i say own these issues meaning that they make something that is a minor problem a major problem they become loud they become annoying until dunkin donuts sends them a coupon for a free coffee and for people on the right side of the aisle anytime a company slights them they become those those karen customers those customer service, customer experience, like this is the worst company in the world because they did this to me and they'll do it to you too. And, you know, as I've said before, in all the things that I talk about within my project, you know, is there patterns with big banks? Absolutely. Is there patterns with poor service at certain companies? Absolutely. Because usually there's rules, there's policies in place that impact the customer in ways that you can't see. The people who work there who may not like those see it and they you know they're afraid to speak out or whatever, but you know there there is validity to those claims. So whenever someone says, well you know, they're they're impacting me because they did did this and that, I totally empathize with you 100%. I get it. I, it makes sense. But the banking thing is a little bit more interesting, okay? Because someone like Mike Lindell, who I don't know his net worth, I assume that he's at least uh, well into the eight figures, if not nine figures, you know, at least $10 million. But if he, if he said a hundred, I wouldn't be surprised because a lot of people buy his products and a lot of people uh, swear by them. And that's how you get to be filthy rich is repeat business. Okay. So, you know, last year or last July, I guess I should say, you know, he, Mike Lindell claimed that my pillow had lost a hundred million dollars after major retails stopped stocking his products in response to 2020 election fraud claims saying that he was hit by massive, massive cancellation. I do know Kohl's stopped selling the pillow. I think Walmart did as well. And you know, for a, a company like his, those are where you make money at. Cause not everyone is going to call the one 800 number on the infomercials. Not everyone's going to log on to the internet because frankly, a lot of the people who would support someone like Lindell are old, old people. And those are the people who don't like using their credit card online. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's kind of the dichotomy where it's like, well, you use these infomercials to promote a website, and the website may or may not be getting the business that you like because your clientele is of a certain age, of a certain genre, that is afraid of the internet, to be honest with you. So, you know, Lindau's made a lot of money. He's done a lot of things with his money to... Do things that people on the other side of the aisle think are crazy and insane, you know, and then the people who support him think that, you know, he's a freedom fighter, whatever, you know, you you know, think whatever you want with that. But he has spent a lot of money. So, you know, on Steve Bannon's podcast here, he says, you know, he talks, he talks to Steve and he says that we need everyone's help right now. And then this is his exact quote. It says, American Express, I wasn't going to say this. We've been with them for 15 years and we do all of our online marketing, all of our shipping with them. Out of the blue, they took our credit line from a million dollars down to a hundred thousand dollars. Just cripples my pillow. No reason, no explanation. Just dropped it down last Tuesday. And then he says that this is part of an all out attack on my pillow and said his business has also been hit by a second company, which he will announce today. I'm not waiting to record this podcast to know what the second one is, but it very well could be another bank. I don't know um you know and then you know steve bannon said american express is trying to debank you now you know and and let me get to what american express says and then I'll, I'll make my point here it says an american express spokesperson told newsweek we cannot comment on specific customer accounts or applications but i can tell you that american express does not make customer decisions based on personal views or political affiliations and you know it's it's funny because both things can be true you know american express does not make oh we don't like this guy so we're going to get rid of him no in the spirit of michael jordan who once said republicans buy sneakers too banks don't care if you're red or blue banks care about green they care about money and as long as it's within their code of ethics as long as it's with, within their unrestricted types of business that you do You know, even though, and and let me just get off on a quick rant here, even though Bank of America, for instance, says that, oh, we don't allow cannabis businesses to open accounts with us, when you go up to the really billion dollar, you know, private equity firms and all these companies that need to have bank accounts for certain reasons that invest in a lot of companies, guess what those big companies invest in? Cannabis companies, you know, online gaming companies, for God's sakes. It's hypocritical and it's only based on the fact that if you're rich, you can do what the poor people can't period end of story so mike lindell has a point about you know american express devaluing his credit line from a million dollars to a hundred thousand dollars let me tell you the story about yours truly the notorious banker james baca okay i wasn't always the the financial expert that i that i say that i am okay 2008 25 years old had developed my credit to a pretty decent score about an 800 credit score and before the the crash of 2008 and the banks nearly failing and whatnot, I had a City um, Diamond Preferred Rewards card, and it was I was proud of it because it was a high-end card. I was 25 years old. I was taking care of business. I was barely making any money as a bank teller, and I made something like eighteen thousand dollars that year as a bank teller. But I had an eighteen thousand dollar credit limit with City alone. Now, this is pre, you know, Dodd-Frank and all this shit in 2010. So credit card companies were more of the Wild West. You know, Bank of America gave me a $4,000 credit line when I was making zero. So an $18,000 credit line with Citi when I was making 18000 a year uh, was insane. But they could do that because this is how predatory credit card companies were. Paid my bill on time. I did a lot. I made sure to take care of it. I put everything through that card to earn rewards so I can get gift cards and whatnot. And then, without explanation, in two thousand and nine, my eighteen thousand dollar credit limit went to five hundred dollars. It went from eighteen thousand to five hundred dollars. You know, I, I can't do the math in my head, but that's that's ninety five percent plus credit line cut. And, you know, I called Citi and I thought it was just like an error or something and said, no, we made the business decision to lower your credit limit. It sucked. They hated it. Um, but, you know, in retrospect, looking at all my statements in 2008 and 2009, I never had put more than $400 balance on that card. Any time that I would put $50 of gas, for instance, I'd immediately pay it back so I can net the 3% rewards and whatnot. So, you know, I was using it to get rewards. I was paying it on time, which a lot of people think that, oh, I'm a great customer because I pay it all in full every month. Well, not to the the credit card companies, because if you're earning rewards and you're paying it in full and you're not carrying a balance, you're not letting them kind of take their taste. I know it sucks. I know it's stupid. They think of you as a problem customer. They think of you as someone who is not making them money. You're gaming the system. You're, you know, the spirit of the credit card is, hey, I'm going to pay it later, not I'm going to funnel everything through here, get rewards, get benefits for doing so, and then I'm going to pay you guys off and you guys are making shit. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, and I know it's all electronic, all these banks are talking to one another, moving this transaction over on behalf of me in order for me to make this purchase. Some companies just say, like, we don't want to be in that business, you know, we we were in this. We offer this as a means of us to generate revenue. Yes, we you know we generate eyeballs to our company when we offer rewards. We you know we we have all of these things to our benefit, but all at the same time, all of the people who take advantage of it are the ones that you know we have to look at and then make a business decision. Do we want this type of person? In our in our grasp, do we want this person as a customer? Quick analogy, you know, people were pissed off when Comcast Xfinity put caps on data uh, for people who had previously unlimited internet plans at home. You know, they said, "Well, basically, we're no longer unlimited. You're going to have a 1.2 terabyte max per month." And that's it. If you go over, we're going to charge you $10 for every 100 gigabytes and so forth. Even yours truly was pissed off by that, saying, this is bullshit. Why are you doing this? But then I looked at my data usage, and I was like at 300, 400 gigabytes every month. It was not a lot of data that was coming through here, so I was never going to hit that cap. But I think just the fact that there was a cap really pissed me off. Comcast had to explain their new rules a few years ago. And they basically said that, you know, 99% of the people will not be impacted by this. It's the 1% of people who overuse the data and misuse it, downloading full-length 4K DVDs, quality movies, or, you know, downloading these games, or doing online gaming, or doing anything, you know, illegally downloading music as well, doing anything that takes up a lot of bandwidth. 99% of the people aren't doing it, but the 1% who do do it and do it 10 times over. So that is, that's exactly why they put the caps on there was to restrict those people. Now with Lindell, American Express, I don't know if he has a rewards based card and he had this little credit card for 15 years and they went from 10,000 to a hundred thousand to a million. But you know, he says that he does all of his online marketing, all of their shipping with them. And like I said, I don't know if he has a business product with them or whatever, but let's just say that he has some highfalutin Platinum Centurion American Express credit card and, you know, online marketing, he pays for all his, you know, Fox News advertising or any of his web advertising with the card. And then he uses his bank account to pay it off in full. And maybe that rewards card is giving him 3% back or whatever and you know because he is a successful businessman and if you hear me if you hear me say that and you go well i don't think so because he this and that he's made millions of dollars off of his customers okay don't don't get it twisted he's made a lot of money and whether you like him or not the money he was still earned you know what i mean so he puts let's just say on a million dollar credit line he puts two to three million dollars worth of purchases on there because he can you know, because he can and because he wants to earn cash back. Cause guess what? He's an old timer person too. He's the one who wants to earn rewards, who wants something for free. Don't we all want free stuff? And then guess what's gonna happen? He's gonna make tons of rewards off of it, tons of cash back or whatever. Um and he leaves them up for exposure. So for instance, he has a million dollar limit he makes three million dollars in purchases with the card paying it off in full every day every couple of days or whatever but let's just say that he goes off on a tangent and just says everything is fraud and then he calls up American Express and says all these purchases I made were fraud they were fraud and I, I don't know I don't know who did that or what and they had to give him provisional credit well if they give him provisional credit On three million dollars of fraud on a one million dollar um limit then the bank is possibly exposed to taking a huge loss of a couple of million dollars so basically long story short if in fact they find themselves in that situation and it is fraud they're gonna take the loss so basically to you know he says he's a great customer and if he's using his card a lot, you know, the the normal consensus would be, well, you know, they offered a product, he got it, and he's using it to his advantage, but now the bank is saying no go, then that's why American Express is doing it. American Express is saying, yeah, it's like whenever you win too much on blackjack in Vegas, they're like, sir, you no longer can gamble here, <laughs> you know, and and I think that's what it is. I, don't, I, I personally do not think it's anything nefarious. That happened with lindell because i really do believe that banks will say that hey we're not making judgments based on who you believe in i I really do believe that and even though you know the same people that support lindell say that you know bank of america um ratted out people who were there on january 6th they would have ratted the same people out who were at a counter protest across the street okay it's, it's equal opportunity if the FBI comes calling for information. They're going to give it to them because that's just the way banks are, okay? And I, I'm not going to defend them, but I'm just saying call a spade a spade, okay? you You want to be able to say that my bank is going to support me, but no, they're protecting their business interest. I'm just kind of looking at American Express cards and their points system and stuff like that. I really do believe that the overexposure of him using his card with a million dollar limit, probably spending way too much, reaping all these rewards, especially if there's a no no cap for the rewards, paying it off in full every month. American Express is like, you know, we're giving this guy money away from free. He's a multimillionaire and we're losing money just because he's our customer. Do we want him as our customer anymore? So they lower the limit to a hundred thousand dollars, which she says cripples his business, which tells me that a lot of his purchases are gonna be for more than a hundred thousand dollars. So I think that's where the I think that's where the, the my theory lies is that the overexposure of how much he actually has on the card limit, how much he spends per month, and what he's getting back in rewards which causes American express to lose money in the long run over time, because the rewards carrot that they throw for customers always sounds good. It's like, Hey, give us a hundred dollars a year and we're going to give you the opportunity to get, you know, points or cash back, which allows you to use it for free travel for free benefits or whatever. And then now with all the damn TikTokers getting the American express card, so then go to the Centurion lounges at airports. Um, There's a lot of people where the company is saying, you know, we got to make decisions of who we actually want to be our customers, because there's some people who we can make a lot of money with, and there's some people who we can lose a lot of money with. And I really think American Express thought that of Lindell. And now, you know, when he gets his line cut, it's their way of trying to break up with him saying, well, we're going to lower it to $100,000. And there's probably some algorithm that alerts them, telling them, hey, we need to cut this guy's limit because of this exposure. They do it, and then they say, well, we don't have to explain to you, sir, why we did it. It's a business decision, so on and so forth. Then he goes on a radio show and says, oh, my God, they're out to get us. Conspiracies against us. They want to silence us, and we're not going to be silenced. No, if it was a a political person who was taking advantage of the system to And they felt that they weren't making money and they were spending way too much time and effort giving you rewards and giving you too much business. They would do the exact same thing. So in conclusion, I really think that, and this is a crazy thing to say on record, because I'm gonna have it on the podcast. I agree with Mike Lindell that, you know, they crippled the way that he does business from a million dollars to a hundred thousand credit limit on there. Because he found a system, a pattern that was beneficial to him to earn himself rewards, to find an easy way to pay vendors and whatnot. He found a system. And, and, you know, like I said, whether or not you like a person, they had a method of taking care of things and then the bank changed it. And as the notorious banker, I got to just call it out and say, yes, I understand that because guess what? It happened to me too. So he is he is correct in saying that they're messing up his business but here's the one thing i learned about about these people who support lindell who support everyone on that side of the aisle they have so many people who love them so many people who believe in them and so many people who would say oh these these people screwed you out of a 100,000 or a million dollar credit limit you know, I, I work at so-and-so bank, okay, and I really believe in your cause. Come see us on Monday and we'll work something out. Maybe we can get you open a, a credit line. That way we can figure out how to do this. And whether or not he wants to accept it because he may or may not get rewards on it or whatever, there's going to be people with, um, with deep pockets who are willing to be beneficial to his cause. And I think, you know, him crying wolf about this, it's probably not the right way to go because American Express is gonna get so much flack. They're gonna say, like, "Fuck you! I'm never, I'm never gonna, you know, use American Express again." or Whatever, dude. They don't care. They, they really don't care. American Express is a big company. If, if they really felt that this was gonna be a net negative to their business, then they wouldn't have done it. But they feel that it's gonna be a net positive, getting rid of someone who was probably exposing them to financial losses if and when he ever decided to call fraud on his account or something not that he was going to do that but that's the way bankers see it they see it by the numbers they say hey does this relationship work for us it doesn't okay let's find a way to get out of it and you read all the bullshit that comes with your credit card that little booklet that's you know 100,000 words long that you can't read because it's so small there's always a proviso in those agreements that says, we reserve the right to just end our business relationship with you at any time, no questions asked. Bank of America called it a business decision. American Express will also call it a business decision and say, we're good, we, we don't need you anymore. Thank you for being our customer, but please move on. So it's an interesting story. Lindell certainly has a beef, however... I mean, in my personal opinion, I really do believe he was probably overusing the hell out of his account to earn rewards, points, or something. Being very, hey, you should be lucky to do business with me type of guy. You know, rich guys are like that all the time. And I think that's why we're at where we're at here. So you're not going to get a full 100% I agree with you, Mr. Lindell, on this type of thing. I understand your point, and and I think it's a valid point. But at the same time, one of the things that I can tell you as a banker is don't ever rely on your financial routine to be the same thing 15 years from now from right now. Or even two years from now from right now because shit changes and a good businessman, a good businessman, and I'm he's made millions of dollars so I would probably say he is a good businessman. A good businessman does not let something like this stop him. So, you know, go ahead and call the bank out. That's perfectly fine. I'm I'm not going to say boo about that. But do not say that it's going to cripple you. Because you, my friend, are like everyone else that I've known in my life. They have friends. And friends help other friends. Okay? If I broke my leg right now and I put up a GoFundMe, even though I hate GoFundMe, I'm sure a couple of friends would throw 50 bucks my way. And I don't talk to them often, you know? So that's life and you got to learn to move on i'm not gonna like i said full out say that american express was in the right here they are not in the right this is just what they do they make decisions based on what is in the best interest of their company and they felt that doing business with him was probably not that and i do believe them when they say it had nothing to do with his politics so there you have it if there's more information about this as it comes along we definitely will talk about it but uh, when we come back, I'm just gonna have my little mini rant that I have every year about Bank of America raising their minimum wage. So please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James Baca, known professionally as Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on TikTok. It's at Notorious Banker on TikTok. Join the over twenty-two thousand followers. In following me, this weird nearly 40 year old man, in discussing problems going on with big banks, problems going on with customer service in this crazy world in a funny, acerbic way that no one else can match. I've had the fortune of having nearly 600,000 likes of my content since I started on TikTok last year, and it just keeps on growing. My followers keep on growing. Nick Jonas of the Jonas Brothers follows me on TikTok, which I just find. Weird because although I like the Jonas Brothers music, I have never interacted with the man once in my life, yet I am one of 40 accounts that he follows. That just goes to show you the uniqueness of my content, and I'm proud to say that my content is unique. We hit up big banks, we hit up businesses that have poor customer service. No, we don't show Karen videos, okay, because that's going too far, but we talk about things in an enlightened manner, a funny manner, and we have a good time doing that. So once again, at Notorious Banker on TikTok, join me on the social media network that everyone seems to be talking about. Um, I promise you one thing, you'll always have an interesting video to watch when you follow me, the Notorious Banker, on TikTok. Thank you. Hey everyone, I'm back with the last segment of Notorious Banker. I'm going to make it short and sweet because this is a topic we've talked about several times in the past several years. And I got some writing to do and I got to go thaw some bacon. Because uh, my wife and I are having breakfast for dinner. I'm the type of guy who buys like 10 packets of bacon at a time, st- stuffs them in the freezer. That way we don't ever have to go, hey, let's go to the store and buy some bacon because we need some for tomorrow. No, I overbuy to make sure that, you know, 10 packets of bacon will last me six months to a year depending on how hungry I am for the product. So I always know that I have it, but it's in the deep freezer. I got to go get it I'll get it ready for tonight's dinner. So I tell you, I'm going to be short and sweet, yet I talked about 40 seconds worth of uh, bacon talk there. But anyway, Bank of America announced a raise to their minimum wage to $23 an hour to use their words and, and their journey to get to $25 an hour minimum wage for all of their associates. I'm happy for the people, the entry-level people who make $23 an hour. As someone who started out as eight fifty an hour at Bank of America then got to eight ninety for two years, didn't hit double digit dollars an hour till my third year there. I gotta tell you, I am happy for those people because the people who are tellers, the people who get all of the shit and none of the rewards at Bank of America, they are deserving of that and then some. They are deserving of fifty dollars an hour in my opinion. Um, but I'm tired of this every year act. Because pre-pandemic, the $25 an hour thing was going into effect. And I had just started Notorious Banker right around that time. So I was still kind of getting my footing on on what to talk about and, and, you know, who to talk about it with. And the one thing that I said was not really being there to, to enjoy the riches that this bank, quote unquote, supposedly has. You know, I was jealous. I was like, man, why couldn't they do that when I was there? But I knew one thing you know the fact that they announced that they're getting to $25 an hour by 25 it just sounds so symmetrical that i was like well what if they do $20 by 2020 21 and 21 22 and 22 23 and 23 24 and 24 guess what they did exactly that so you know they created this journey to get there while the earnings have been pretty steady making you know 6 to 10 billion dollars a quarter you know their their money is staying the same so going out on the limb and saying hey well we're going to pay these people this by this year tells me one thing that they're projecting their their revenues to be pretty steady going forward that being said however the fact that they were at $20 an hour and 20 and then $25 an hour two years from now tells me that there's a lot of lost money for those associates just just to get a press release out there every year saying hey in 2022 we raised it to 22 an hour in 2023 we raised it to 23 an hour those press releases every year like clockwork are saying hey we have raised our minimum wage by a dollar an hour even though we said that we were going to already which causes all these people to lose out on a dollar an hour In between those times, do you know what I mean? Because they could have just easily made it $25 an hour in 2020, especially during COVID, when they needed all the help that they can get. Because good pay equals good retention, and those people will stick around for you and do whatever the hell you want at that point in time. So the fact of the matter is this. I'm happy that they got to $23 an hour by 23 but you could have gave that person $23 an hour three years ago, and you know, $3 an hour times 40 hours is 120, times 52 weeks is what, 6,000 times three, is $18,000, that's horrible math, but it's it's almost $20,000 that this person could have earned more if you would have just paid them the $23 an hour years ago but you didn't you're kind of you're kind of just dropping a dollar every year that way you can get that good pr that good press you can have a press release and say look at us we're doing it again we're, we're raising our rate to 23 even though we already knew you were gonna do it but you get that free pop as wrestlers like to call it um by saying hey look how awesome we are and by all means like i said i i will give kudos to where credit is due to bank of america for doing this because they didn't do it when i worked there and like i said the entry-level people who who get this raise really do deserve it there's no there's no shit talking here about that i just get really bugged whenever rich people say look how awesome we are when they could have just paid that already because the earnings were there after they figured out covid wasn't going to be as big a deal as they thought it was going to be and after they made billions of dollars on ppp um, servicing fees and whatnot—they had the resources to do it, and then some back then. But they choose not to, just so they can get that free pop of good press every year. And that's the thing that bothers me the most, you know, because I, you know, I was talking to my wife about this about a whole other topic a couple of well, several years ago, and it came up um, a couple of weeks ago. I had a coworker who, um, you know, she was cool to me. I liked her. She was really nice. But she talked in catchphrases, you know, she talked like like an athlete, you know, like, oh, we got to just play one game at a time. And both teams work really hard and all, you know, all the cliches in life. But she did them for banking stuff and always just a big talker, always one that just basically just talked your head off. And my wife never liked her. She's like, she just seems fake to me. And the more that I looked at her, I said, well. Yeah, you know, you're right. She is kind of phony. (laughs) I don't understand. I don't understand how this person gets through life just saying absolutely nothing of substance. And, you know, while she's a nice person, she doesn't say anything of substance. And every year, Bank of America is putting out this press release saying, hey, look how awesome we are. We just raised our minimum wage when you literally said it five years ago. And in that time, you could have paid those people that exact amount that you were raising the minimum wage to. It wasn't, uh, this is where we think our business is going to be at five years from now. So we'll be able to afford them. No, your, your money, your revenue is pretty steady. You could have afforded the $25 an hour in 2019. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that just really bothers me and it should bother you too, because it's, it's your boss promising you a raise saying hey one day we're gonna take care of you well why isn't the day today if I'm worthy of being taken care of now why don't you compensate me today rather than tell me five years from now it's because in that five year span they're gonna find ways to suppress your pay bonus pay incentive pay you know merit increases I think you know pay raises are gonna slow down dramatically there I think it's gonna be hard to move off of 25 an hour If you're on the low end, because if you're not doing well and you do just an okay job and not an exceptional job, they'll be able to not pay you more, or they'll just cut ties with you and get someone else at 25. And it'll be that perpetual, Hey, we're only spending $25 an hour for this role. And we don't need to have a 12 year veteran of, you know, CSR as they call them. I call them bank tellers still. Um, you know, making thirty-three dollars an hour, it's like, nah, we can, this person is replaceable. Let's just get rid of them and get someone else at twenty-five. I think by inflating the minimum wage to twenty-five, you give people a mandate that not only do they have to do a good job, they have to do a fucking excellent job. And if they don't, guess what? There's gonna be a million people who are gonna say, "I can do this shift for twenty-five dollars an hour," and yes, they can because I did it for eight fifty. I'm a sucker, <laughs> and um, that's the scary thing. And, and, and I'll wrap on this because, like I said, I don't want to take too long and I got bacon to thaw. But one of the things that Bank of America said, well, they didn't say it so much, but the people who were covering Bank of America's announcement last week said is the $23 an hour minimum wage floor that is there this year affects approximately 9% of their workforce. And I was just like, dude, 91% of people who work at the bank make more than that. And it's humbling. It tells you how humongous this company is. It tells you how many goddamn managers there are at this place. And I bet you half of them don't do anything of substance for that company, yet they make six figures. That's the stunning part to me. an hour in a 40-hour week is $1,000 a week. Oh, man, I would kill to make $1,000 a week right now. But I work really hard doing podcasts and social media content for a fraction of that. But 9% of the workforce is impacted. And it's basically a bunch of rich people throwing pennies into a guitar case of a hobo who is playing Hey Jude on the street corner. And saying, hey, look, look how great we are. We're giving back to the community. That's the way that this raise feels at the end of the day. Because if they're hyping up their minimum wage, well, guess what? Their merit increases, their bonus pay have taken them well into the stratosphere of six figures, if not more, depending on how high you are. So throwing the lower end people a bone, saying, hey, look how great we are to our people, knowing that those people are going to be scrutinized all the more based on that raise and finally before i go one last thing i you know i got a 10 cent raise in 2009 10 cents after a successful quarter where um despite all the things going on in the banking world we actually hit our sales goals as a team and they were happy about it i got 10 cents an hour raise 40 hours a week if i got 40 hours because i'm still part-time then it's four dollars a week it's a 200 hundred dollar a year raise you can't buy a video game system for two hundred dollars. You can't go to a concert these days for less than two hundred dollars. And I remember the week that I was told that I got that ten cent raise was probably one of the worst weeks of my life because they kept on throwing that shit at me. It's like, well, you know, we gave you a merit increase, James. You got to work harder. We we expect a lot more out of you. And they're like, fucking ten cents. Is this nineteen twenty two? Am I gonna be able to buy you know? candy with this like you know a little kid with had a dime back in the 20s was able to buy five pieces of bubble gum and three pieces of taffy for 10 cents no you can't buy shit with 10 cents a little package of kool-aid is 33 cents at at the grocery store over here but i remember just the guilt trip i got for 10 cents now imagine it's fucking 23 dollars an hour instead of 890 or wherever i was at it's scary And I say Godspeed to the people at the lower end of things because you're going to hear how grateful you should be every goddamn day of your life. But to Bank of America, I'm going to give them a 50% good job. Thank you for acknowledging the lower end people, but also acknowledge how hard they work too because I know that this is going to be a tool to replace them if in the slightest they disappoint you because you can find someone for equal pay that may or may not be better and this is a way of suppressing pay a long way down the road but what can i say man what can i say thank you for at least doing that but to the workers the nine percent of the people who got this twenty three dollars an hour i wish you the best of luck don't do anything against code of ethics don't breathe the wrong fucking way because they will fire you and they will fire you fast that's the podcast for today. My name is James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker. You can find me on social media, at Banker on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Of course, this podcast, leave a five-star review. I am the author of High Risk Transaction, the Ryan Coogler Bank of America Incident, available on Amazon in paper book and e-book format, paperback format. Until we meet again, my friends, my name is James Baca, known professionally as the Notorious Banker, signing off. I will be back very, very soon, or as breaking news warrants. Thank you again for listening to my podcast and you have a great day.